Hey guys, thanks for listening to Arn here on Westwood One. I know Arn and my family really appreciate all of your support, and we thank you for what you're doing over at adfreeshows.com. I got to tell you, between the podcast, doing bonus content for ad free, and now I'm sure you've heard the news. Arn just inked a brand new two year deal with AEW. He's been busier than ever during the pandemic. But all of a sudden, I'm busier than ever before, helping listeners just like you save more money than they ever thought possible. Don't take my word for it. Just ask Craig in Wisconsin. He recently saved some money at SaveWithConrad.com, left us a five-star review, and he wrote this. The process of refinancing my home was as easy as it could be. Jimmy and the rest of the team were in constant communication with me, and I was never left wondering what my next steps would be. I shaved 13 years off of my loan. 13 years. I received a better rate and saved $110,000 over the life of the loan. I just want to say to Conrad and the entire crew, I love you. Listen, this is a real review. Craig is going to save more than $110,000 and you can do this too. And listen, it's not fancy to figure out how we're doing it. We reduced his term from 30 years. He was just two years into a 30 year loan. So he has 28 left. We found a way to make the payments affordable on a 15 year loan. In the process, we cut 13 years worth of unnecessary house payments off. Run the numbers yourself right now. Throw it in your calculator. You know, you've got one 13 years times 12 monthly payments a year. That's 156 payments. Now what's your payment? You probably know it to the penny. He's going to save 110 grand. Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. But we can even help families with credit scores in the 500s. So what are you waiting for? Let us run the numbers. Find out how much money you can save for free right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention you get to skip your next two house payments? If you haven't already, you can skip your June and your July payment. You're done until August 1st. And oh, by the way, we're licensed in more than 40 states. So why wouldn't you do this? Get a quick quote right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. That must mean it's Tuesday, and it certainly means that the founder of the Four Horsemen, the Hall of Famer himself, the Enforcer AA, Arn Anderson is here. Arn, how are you, man? Good. I like Tuesdays. My favorite day of the week. I like Tuesdays, too. Looking forward to uh, another AEW Dynamite tomorrow. Uh, week one, or part one, of Fighter Fest is in the books. Part two, tomorrow night. You don't want to miss it on TNT. Uh, but today, it's all about you guys. We're putting you in the driver's seat. We're letting you pick what we're talking about, and we are excited to jump right into it. We got tons and tons of questions on. There's no way we'll get to all of them. We'll try to bounce around and cover as much ground as we can. Shane Hill wants to know which icon does double a think would have been more likely to defect during the Monday night wars undertaker to WCW or sting to the WWF. Wow. That's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, I know takers loyalty to Vince. And I know Sting took a lot of pride as being the guy that never left. Gosh, you know, I want to say under the right financial circumstances and probably the right conversation between Vince and Sting, Sting could have probably been coaxed if his confidence would have been that he would have been treated properly pushed properly, not as one of those WCW guys, but just like every other piece of talent, I don't ever see Taker leaving Vince ever. So I think Sting would have been, with a slight edge, possibly the guy that might have, under the right circumstances, switched companies. I mean, I agree, simply because, I don't mean for this to sound weird, but there's no one for Sting to have a relationship with over the years. You know, WCW management through all of Sting's tenure, I mean, there was a lot of them. I mean, he's working for the Crockett's and then he's working for Ted Turner, but underneath Ted, I mean, it's a, it's a whole bunch of folks. It's Bill Watts. It's Eric Bischoff. It's Vince Russo. I mean, on and on and on. It's a bit of a revolving door. Of course, Jim Hurd, so many others. So, and we know eventually Sting did show up in WWF, but, uh, it is fun to sort of armchair quarterback. Some of those fantasy matchups. Sure. Absolutely. 
Here's a fun question about more common or more modern day stuff rather from Tim being that you're synonymous with the television championship. What are your thoughts about AEW's TNT title and it's obvious homage to the classic NWA version. Of course, he's talking about the belt that Cody Rhodes has been sporting on TV. It's red leather. It's got the nickel plates. Uh, it's got the, uh, Turner mansion as side plates, certainly a nod to your old famous TV title design. What do you think of this newer, more updated version? Well, what I really appreciate and respect is the underlying reasons for having it yeah, and what the goal is. And that goal is for a guy that is one of the spokesmen and one of the figureheads for AEW, Cody, to be able to step in that role as the champion and take on all comers and actually a each and every week a guy walk through that curtain that could plausibly win that title. It makes for a main event every single week, no matter what else you have on the show. And then if you have another huge main event, which is usually the case, it really beefs that show up. And uh, the goal is for Cody to go out and, uh, you know, have an incredible contest every single week with guys that you may know about or those that you don't know about. But each week, make that contest be something that has people talking the next day. And that's the goal. And, and I think it's an admirable one and I think it's going to be good for the, the brand and the company. And, and as it all shakes out, you're going to get to see some incredible matches. Adam wants to know, did you guys ever give totally shit for wearing those random hard rock cafe and New York Giants sweatshirts during the horseman promos on TBS? No, chances are I had one of those in my bag too. I just, it just never made air. <laughs> Josh Coon wants to know if you would talk about his, uh, your, your, your stable time with Colonel Robert Parker as your manager, of course, bunkhouse buck. And well, there's a clip that popped out on Saturday night from 94 the other day where, uh, Terry Funk, Arn Anderson and bunkhouse buck are taking on the Armstrong boys, Brad, Brian, and Scott. I don't know if that made its way to you, but lots of people then were curious if you had any favorite or not so favorite stories about working with Colonel Robert Parker and Bunkhouse Buck. Oh God. Well, I met those guys. Robert was booking when I went to Pensacola to work the territory. Um, this would be my second time through. He was the booker and Jimmy was working down there. So I got to to work with those guys quite a bit and get to know them a little bit. Colonel Parker, you know, you talk about funny guys. I, I've been asked in the past, you know, who were the funniest guys. And I don't know how he escaped. I don't know if I gave him his due. But, man, he, just to sit down and listen to him tell a story is just its hilarious. And... uh Man, is he funny. Of course, he's, you know, world-renowned for one thing in particular. <laughs> well, it, and it, I am not going to get into it, but let's just say it's legendary. Yep. And sometimes those conversations would come up and guys would sit around waiting on the finish on, okay, let's just get to the part where somebody got impaled, Okay. And, uh, man, he was just, he's just to this day, I see him occasionally at signings and stuff and he's just hilarious. Yeah. The, uh, my favorite quote about that circumstance you're talking about is Bruce Pritchard said, I saw it in action once. And I said, what? He said, yeah, I had a knee in it. Um, let's keep it. (laughs) A knee, (laughs) a knee. (laughs) Uh, D Ray wants to know. Does Arn remember the time in Richmond that apparently uh, a fan got involved? JJ has to take his dress shoes to him, and somehow you wind up with broken fingers. I remember a guy slid in the ring. We we're doing afternoon television taping. I want to say I was working with Luger, maybe, and a guy hit the ring and and got he got front face locked pretty quick. I don't remember getting broke fingers out of it, but then again, I could have. 
it could have very well happened. It wouldn't have mattered. It would not have taken me out of one day's work or anything else. So in those days, you got stuff broke all the time. You just plow through it. Talk to me a little bit about fans jumping in the ring. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about it. You mentioned one incident in Richmond. Did it happen more than a handful of times otherwise? Oh, throughout the years. It's, it, it's not as often as you think. And the outcome is usually the same. Um, it was, it would be more times of you getting assaulted would be match spills out of the ring and, uh, right up against the rail. That's where you get whacked quite a bit. Leave in the arena. If you had a hot finish, you know, the rails weren't that far apart in those days. They certainly weren't 25 feet apart or 20 feet. It was more like six feet apart. And sometimes it would just be a rope. It wouldn't even be a barricade was all that was separating you from the fans. But there was a few instances, you know, where guys would slide in the ring that would just, it was usually just because the the heat got too much for them and they liked the baby faces and, you know, Ricky Morton's in there bleeding to death, getting, getting the shit pounded out of him. And, and a guy would slide in the ring. Here was the thing that, that kept it, thank God, to a minimum. Once you slide in that ring and you're looking from the inside out instead of the outside in, it looks completely different. And most people would slide under the bottom rope and start to stand up, and they would you would see them. They, they would start looking around and go, in their mind, oh, God, I may have screwed up. And that's all you needed to either front face lock them, snatch them, if they tried to fight you, kick them in the head, do whatever you had to do to just hang on to them because you didn't want to hurt anybody. I mean, I don't want to hurt a fan, even though they had completely overshot their bounds and whatever came after that was on them. You know, if they got punted in the face, you have no, you know, you can do what you want out there on the other side of the rail. Once you cross that rail and slide in the ring, you're in no man's land. But, you know, personally, I never wanted to do, you know, to, to hurt anybody. And, and I just wanted to get them out of the ring. And before the match, just completely lost all momentum, get it done and get them out of there quickly. And uh, but I might have seen four or five cases over the years. Let's uh, let's keep it going. Bobby's got a good question for us. He says, any good stories about hanging around Jerry Lawler? Never hung around Jerry. Jerry uh, did his own thing. And, you know, I don't think Jerry drinks. I don't think he's ever drank. So I would have never even saw him in the hotel bar or anything. I know he's funny just shooting. The, I always try to spend a few minutes talking to him wherever I see him these days. And in the past, you know, if I see him backstage, I'd always stop and shake his hand, say hello. And, you know, just because he's hilarious, too. He's a funny guy. And uh, always enjoy spending a few minutes with him. Matt has a great question. Did Arn wear contact lenses in the ring when he wasn't wearing glasses? I couldn't. I should have, but I couldn't. But I've never worn contacts. My eyes are just so sensitive. I tried putting them in once, and it just, it's one of those things that, you know, from a guy with three broke necks and everything else under the sun um, going on, I just, it was very uncomfortable to try to stick a contact in my eye. So, Nope. I just, you know, most times and most nights I was out there wrestling on body heat, body, heat. just like grab it. the warmest thing you can grab. Hopefully it won't be the ref. It'll be your opponent. I'm going to try that later. I think grab the warmest thing I can. Bobby wants to know any good, bush hold back? it, hold it. In those circles you run in, you might be careful of what you're reaching out and grabbing. <laughs> some of that crew of yours, some of those boys that hang around you, your, your guys might take offense. Yeah. Well, I'll just wait until we turn down the covers and, uh, Megan says good night. And then I'll just wake up in my sleep looking for warmth. Check. Uh, Bobby wants to know any good bushwhacker stories with you, Tully having some matches. <laughs> Um, let's see. Yeah, we worked with those guys, Tully and I up there, and one of them got hurt. And this is how Vince ribs you. It's, it's, he does it. And you know, you're getting ribbed, 
but it's not like you can put your finger on it and point to any real con versus pro to it being really a dumb thing to do. But one of them got hurt. Now, we'd, we'd beaten Demolition for the titles. We'd beaten the Rockers. We had beaten the Hart Foundation. Now we're going to work with the Bushwhackers. And one of them gets hurt pretty bad. They had to send them home. So the two of us are now working with the one bushwhacker. You would thought there's an opportune time, with especially with Bobby Heenan in the corner, to get some heat. It would have been three on one, basically. No, he went the other way. He had one bushwhacker beat the tag champions. <laughs> you have to laugh. I even laughed at the time. And from a guy that tries to be all business all the time, you had to laugh or cry because that's one of those things that you go back and you go, now, why'd you do that? There'll never be an answer that's adequate. That's tremendous. We love the guys. We love the bushwhackers. And they were so funny. You know, and just such good guys, it wasn't their fault. So we just got in and fed them, fed them, fed them, got a minute's heat, and then got beat. Here's a fun, silly question. Don wants to know, if Conrad was a special referee for the Arn-Flair match, does Arn think the match would be called right down the middle? No, I'd have got beat two straight in about 30 seconds because <laughs> he's trying to get over with the daughter. Probably. It's probably right. You know what? Though? Damn, damn right. It's right. These days it might actually go the other way. I'm, I, I mean, you might get the fast count in your favor these days. No, I've never won a match. Why start now? Uh, Mark wants to know, considering how involved baby doll was with such huge <laughs> angles with the horseman, dusty cornet and others, and was willing to be physically involved as well. Do you think she'd fit in with the current product? Not as a wrestler, but in the same role. Uh, I think that role's probably gone. It's probably gone forever. I don't know that. I don't know. The girls have just made such leaps and bounds as far as competitiveness and ability and, and just the quality of their work to just have a quote lady on the floor slash manager slash I don't know what would be the right adjective to cover it valet. Yeah, that's right. I, I guess she was considered a valet yeah. for its time. Yeah. I, I don't know that, you know, maybe who knows with the right guy, who knows? I would think though, you know, baby doll was good at slapping the piss out of somebody and, you know, Simple things like that. But I think if you had that same scenario, whoever you put in that slot on the floor would have to be pretty skilled for it to not be a letdown. It couldn't just be a slap or a foot on the ropes or pop up on the apron for a distraction. The business has evolved quite a bit since then and more would be expected, I think, out of that person. All right, listen up, you filthy animals. We have got a new product alert for manscaped.com. They have just released the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, you nasty bastard. And I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean shaven pubes. And here's the deal. We all know this is part of getting older. I'll never forget as a little kid, I saw my grandfather. Man, that bastard had crazy nose hair. Well, that's you now, buddy. It's taken over your life as we get older. I didn't even think I was capable of growing ear hair. And then like 10 years ago, it started showing up. And now it is a near daily battle until I got the new weed whacker. And by the way, once upon a time, I used to try to pluck these things out of your nose. Buddy, it's going to look like you just watched Ric Flair's retirement match. You don't want to do that. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with this new weed whacker. The nose and ear hair trimmer provides that same proprietary skin safe technology, which is going to help prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those oh so delicate holes. The premium Manscaped weed whacker 
uses a 9,000 RPM motor, a 360 degree rotary dual blade system. Oh, and it's also worth mentioning that it's intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience. And oh, by the way, it's waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. We should mention it's the only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium ion battery. That's going to last up to 90 minutes of use. And dude, if you got an hour and a half of your hair, you got major problems. Have you ever pulled a nose out of your hair with your fingers? I mean, dude, that, that hurts worse than Nick and your sack meat. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence while providing hygiene. And yes, you get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Listen up, fellas. 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. I don't know what makes them want to do stuff, but I know what makes them not want to. And it's your nasty ass nose hair. It's time to get it under control. It's time to upgrade your manscape routine. It's time to get a weed whacker. And right now you can get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code ARN at manscaped.com. Thank you, manscaped.com, for keeping our pubes trimmed and our hairs and our holes looking nice. Get 20% off and free shipping with that promo code ARN, A-R-N, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. All you've got to do is use the promo code ARN. So what are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds with a new weed whacker from manscaped.com. Mick Dolman wants to know at what point did you feel the end was near for WCW? Was there a moment or series of events where you thought, well, the ship's going down. Uh, I can probably tell you in my mind, it might not have been in the sequence of events or, and I don't remember how much time was left in the hourglass for WCW, but they had a lot of the top guys had been sent home. Most of the guys from the school were filling the slots on television. And uh, things were not looking good. If you had your eyes wide open, it was continuing to drop. The numbers were terrible, weren't drawing anything. So we had a show at the MGM. And I remember coming down the elevator and I walked out elevator op- door opened and it would in those days where we stayed the MGM there was a Betty Boop lounge as soon as the doors opened the elevator right there it was so you had to pass through the bar area to even to get to the casino or to get out of the hotel or whatever and doors open and man I just heard the guys laughing and yucking it up and roaring and uh I followed the sound and I went out and it was all the guys from the school and uh, they were over there and they were drinking. They were having a good time because they had been on TV now for four, five, six weeks and they were living their dream. They were on television. They were being featured. They were in competitive matches with each other. The only problem was nobody knew who they were. And nobody was watching. And it just, it just flew all over me. And I went over and, and I went, you know, hey guys, you know, what's going on? Hey, hey, double A, what's going on here, guys? Oh man, we're just having a blast, living the dream. Well, I just so happened to have gotten the numbers for the previous week, and they were the lowest in the history of the company. That's the knowledge I stepped out of the elevator with. And I went over and, like I said, said hello to all the guys, and they gave me their feedback. And these were guys that would have been asking, uh, at least a couple of them, at least, hey, how are the ratings doing? And somebody would have told them, hey, they're terrible. In the face of steadily dropping ratings, no house show business, And the fact that the lowest rating in the history of the company had just came down, I didn't see nothing to be yucking it up about. I didn't see nothing to be happy about. 
didn't see anything to be positive about. I would have been damn sure in the dumps if I was a guy featured on that television show and it did the lowest rating in history. And it just broke my heart because it just showed me the mentality of the company at the time and knowing that it was a sinking ship. I didn't blame all those kids because they didn't know any better. I just blame the company for not trying to fix all the holes in that boat before it started sinking. And it just, that day in particular, that set of circumstances just broke my heart because I knew we weren't going to be around much longer. Oh, man. Let's, um, let's talk, let's shift gears. David Emery wants to know, can you explain why Randy Orton is the wrestler's wrestler? I don't get it. What am I missing? Now, who has said he's the wrestler's wrestler? Well, the, I mean, fan? the fans, I think you, um, recently had put him over on one of our shows and we're very complimentary of his work. But then again, almost all of the, uh, the old school guys are a big fan of Randy Orton. You disagree? No, no. I just said, I think the quote was at the time is when he's on, when Randy's healthy and he has a guy that can perform and he's a heel when he's a heel and allowed to get heat, he's the best heel in the business. And I believe that Randy works old school. Randy doesn't do a one and a half off the top. He doesn't dive out on the floor. He doesn't do any of those things. What Randy does is come in, give you some attitude, tries to lean and, and force his will upon you, which doesn't work. And then eventually he'll do something rotten to get a guy down and he will stomp his brains out. And once Randy starts getting heat, you feel that. It's old school, straightforward, beat down. But he's just so smooth in the ring, you know, and his attacks like that RKO out of nowhere, no matter how much heat he may have had during the course of that match, when he hits that RKO, especially with a guy coming off the top or something that you don't see, you get a baby face pop because they're cheering not necessarily was that a good guy or a bad guy, it was just, hey, you got me. I didn't see that coming. And it was done excellent. That's what Randy brings to the table. And uh, he just has that look, man. He just he just looks like a guy that would reach over and bite your nose off. And he's an excellent heel now. When he gets forced into a babyface role and trying to work babyface, Randy will tell you he's not as comfortable. I think he's – I agree with him. He's a much better heel. Let's uh, talk about Christopher Anderson's questions. He says, Slambury, it's Rick, Oli, and yourself. It's a flair for the gold. Who is your fourth pick as the horseman instead of Paul Roma? Of course, the context of this, for so folks who may not know, is the original plan was it was going to be Tully. That deal falls apart for whatever reason. We'll talk about it another time. Instead, the decision is made to give the nod to Paul Roma, and I'm sure we can break that down another time as well. But the fantasy booking, Paul Roma's not there. What do you think? There was only one choice. Tully was the only choice. If we wanted to do the right thing and turn the horseman thing around and get it back to a place of prominence, there was only one choice, and that was Tully. And no matter who else it would have been at that time, because nobody comes to mind, would have uh, turned the thing around like Tully would have. So that, was, in my mind, is the only choice. Let's jump here to Vincent Greco. He says, I just saw on the TV that the army is considering changing the names of some of the bases with Confederate generals names, some suggestions for new names, Fort Flair, Fort Henderson, Fort Wyndham, Fort Blanchard. These sound awesome. What say you? Was there a Fort Anderson? I think there was. Yeah. How quickly did they get overrun? <laughs> Had to be record time. Uh, another fun question here. Has double ever worked with anyone who didn't cooperate for one reason or another? And if so, how did he deal with it? 
nothing of, of clear memory. You would have guys that would come to television, sometimes more so Atlanta TV than syndicated TV with Crockett, because that would be guys that were more local, you know, to the Carolinas that had some experience. But you would get a lot of green guys that would come to, to Atlanta TV from TBS studios and they just didn't know they were just green. They would get nervous. Um, and they really didn't know what to do. And sometimes it was hard to move them around out there. They were just locked down on you. And if a guy's just not locked down from nerves, it's hard to move him. And if you can't move him, you both look like, you know, two putzes out there trying to move around. And it would, you know, sometimes you'd have to squeeze a guy a little bit and just go, Hey, take a breath, relax. It's going to be fine, and sometimes it would get better, and sometimes it wouldn't, and then you knew you just had to go ahead and hit your finish, and that was it for the day. If you had a promo, you could take that extra time and add it into your promo. You just had to be in control of the situations. I never had a guy go out and just intentionally try to take advantage of me on television. Jason wants to know, do you have any good WrestleMania 5 stories? Did you meet Donald Trump? I did meet Donald Trump and that was a thrill. Um, just him backstage, just ba basically meeting everybody. And, uh, you know, he was his building. He was thrilled to have us and we were thrilled to be there. And just that whole ambiance was awesome. And, um, Barry Darso and his wife, who are very good friends of mine and Aaron's, they were there. And so we got to go out a night or two and have dinner and spend some time together, have a few cocktails. And it was a great weekend. Plus after that, which was cool, we had a week off, believe it or not. That is cool. It's pretty rare that you get a, a week off. Somebody who was looking for some time off Jeff Hardy. This question comes to us from Lance. Any interesting Jeff Hardy stories? I remember reading an interview, maybe even a story from the Hardy boys book but he had a pet raccoon or some other exotic pet that was lost. And he said, you were the agent. He called to say he couldn't make the show because he had to go look for it. Do you remember this? No, but I bet you it absolutely happened. You know, things were moving so quickly and so many things were going down at per different times of my career. That sounds like something that's pretty damn creative, right? Yeah. Right. It being a raccoon, not the family pet, a little bitty dog or a puppy or the, the kitty cat was, you know, on top of the Eiffel Tower or something. This was a raccoon that was lost. And if you think about Jeff Hardy, would he have raccoons? Well, hmm, if this was Big Show telling me this bullshit story, I might not buy it. But Jeff, you've got to be careful. That might be 100% correct. I doubt it. But maybe. Stoner Dale wants to know what was your favorite, or not your favorite, what was your first car? Oh, my first car was a 63 Buick Skylark that I had two gallons of water that I had to keep in the back seat at all times because it only had, I guess it was like the. Um, what is the part of the vehicle? The radiator. I guess it had a, a bad radiator and a rotten radiator hose, and it wouldn't hold water for shit. I had about 10 miles I could go, and then I had to stop and put water in it, and I better have a couple of gallons for after the next 10 miles. I had about a 20-mile 20, 20 radius that I could drive without it just shutting down. And uh, it just so happened... My first job that I had was uh, in an ice cream. Um, it was an ice cream, um, well, where they store the stuff. Not a factory, but a, after it's all packaged up and all that, warehouse. Yeah, there you go. Ice cream warehouse, but it was freezing cold. I mean, obviously, I had to keep the ice cream frozen. So I would load trucks, load trucks, load trucks, and I saved up over the summer. To, I think this car cost uh, $500. But it allowed me to get back and forth. The, the ice cream place was about five miles from the house. So it would allow me to get back and forth to work and allow me to get back and forth to school. And it was a real junker. 
and it lasted, I want to say, about six months. That's uh, could have been worse, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, it 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 quit on me a couple of times, but believe it or not, if you put the water in it, that was the only thing that. And I knew when I when I took it in the mechanic for him to look at it, and he said how much it was going to be to fix it. It was more than what the, almost more than what the car was worth. So I uh, I evolved from that till finally it got to be unreliable, and it was in the winter and bad weather and and all that stuff. Um, believe it or not, I made the choice to sell that car, which I think I got two hundred dollars for. And I applied that with what I made the next summer, and I bought a motorcycle. And it was a Suzuki 185 TS, and uh, it was tough for the elements, but it was very reliable, and that's how I uh, got back and forth to work after that. Scott wants to know, having worked with both, what did you think of the Pillman Austin home invasion segment from raw in 1996? Well, I knew that wasn't going to fly. I mean, it was intense, but I'm not sure you can introduce a gun. Yeah. That's hard to imagine that that's actually something that happened in wrestling, but it did. Hey guys, guys today get crucified and fired and everything for what they say. Can you imagine bringing a gun into a wrestling show? No. Wow. Uh, Kevin wants to know how different would wrestling have been had Hulk Hogan gone to Jim Crockett promotions in 1983 and Ric Flair gone to the world wrestling federation. I think they went where their God had destined them to go. They belonged where they were because Hulk's boss had a different mindset than Rick's boss and there were two different products and I don't think they were interchangeable. I don't see Hogan going 60 minutes for steamboat, you know, and I don't see Rick going out there, you know, old up posing and, and talking about taking your vitamins and all that stuff. I don't think they were interchangeable in, in any fashion. Both guys were put in the company and where they should have been, by a higher power, I think. Lots of questions about, uh, Tommy wildfire, rich randomly, any good Tommy rich stories you can share with us. Yeah, he was really good, really good baby face. And, um, he sold his ass off. You know, he was, he was good with the kids. He was good with the girl. The girls loved him at that time. And basically Tommy was just, he was a mechanic and, uh, you know, his offense for that time, the arm drags, you know, the drop kicks, all the standard fare for that time, which a baby face did Tommy could do. And the main thing he did was bleed to death and, and sell. And, uh, he had a hell of a run with some heels in uh, Georgia territory. And, uh, you know, he proved his worth and, uh, made Ole who was the owner at the time, at least partial owner. I don't know how much Mr. Barnett had, but I'm sure it was a, a split there of, of the company. And I think they all jumped on Tommy's back. He was the lead babyface, and uh, he did a real good job leading the company. You can get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments at savewithconrad.com. But don't take my word for it. Just ask Andrew in Florida. He hooked us up with a five-star review and had this to say, very easy and Derek was great to work with. I went to a 20-year from a 30-year. I saved seven years of interest, plus I have a cheaper payment than my 30-year was. All around a great deal and couldn't be happier. Thanks so much. I want you to do me a favor. Do the math on that. What if we cut six years off of your loan? That's 72 payments. You know, to the penny, how much you pay on your house every month, multiply it by 72. That's the amount of money you could save. If we cut six years off of your loan, find out right now for free. And oh, by the way, as you heard cheaper monthly payments, why wouldn't you do this? Keep more of your own money at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number six, five, zero, eight, four equal housing lender. 
Oh, and did I mention no house payment for two months? For licensed in more than 40 states and even credit scores in the 500s can qualify. What are you waiting for? Hurry to savewithconrad.com. Uh, this is an interesting question from Mark that I don't think many ever talked about. Hey, Arn, if you didn't have to retire due to injury, how much longer do you think you would have gone? Also, others have said that having to walk away because of an injury made it easier to be at peace with it. Do you feel the same way? And thank you for all you've done. Well, thank you for thanking me. I appreciate that. I really do. It was, you know, fans like yourself are one of the things that allow us as talent to plow through injuries and get well or as well as we can get a lot quicker than the normal rehab patient because you guys are, you know, if you only knew how much really uh, impact you had on performances and and things by talent, you know, you guys have a lot of stroke when you're out there and you're loud and you're telling us what you want and telling us what you don't like and all these things. You just, the crowd is so, so important. And um, take a bow for that because you're the guys that we work for. Um, what was the first part of the question? Do you think it would have been easier for you to walk oh. away weren't for an injury? And, and how long, I mean, I guess the question is, how long would you have lasted if you didn't have the injury and did the injury make it easier to walk away? It's never easy. When I finally figured out I wasn't going to wrestle again, it was one of the hardest days of my life because it's all I'd ever wanted to do from eight years old, you know, till 37. Every day I would think about wrestling and every day I would love it and couldn't wait till Saturday and then I got in it and I couldn't wait to go through that curtain every single night and go to the next town and the next set of circumstances and reactions from the fans and and uh you know just living very few people in this life actually get to go to a job every single day that they truly love and it was never lost on me once I got in, I knew I wanted to be a wrestler. Once I became a wrestler, I know I wanted to continue being a wrestler as long as possible. 37 is not that old in human years, but in wrestler years, it's almost like dog years. And uh, we beat our bodies up, and they only go so far with getting patched. You know, you, you have tires on the car, and you got – you keep getting a flat and you keep patching it. At some point, you're going to have to buy a new set of tires. And that's kind of like wrestlers. You know, we patch ourselves up and patch ourselves up till you can't patch yourself up anymore. Time for a new tire. And uh, it's a harsh reality to know, especially when you know that it's not someone telling you, okay, you're done. That internal voice says, you're done. Listen to it. Listen to me. I'm telling you, you're done. Now, do you want to walk away from the business or do you want to roll away? And sitting and rolling never appealed to me, um, which I'm pretty sure it doesn't appeal to anybody. But it uh, it's tough for your internal clock to point out that you're done. And it's uh, tough to go to the arena and see guys going through the curtain every night and just wishing, man, what I wouldn't give for just one more 20-minute match. Man, that's hard. Uh, Drew Landry writes, there was a table for three episode that included you, Flair, Tully, and an empty chair. In the episode, Arn, you said the empty should be J.J. Dillon's seat. Why not reserve that chair for Ole? Well, because J.J. was there through all of it. I've stated on record I've learned more from Ole Anderson and tag matches than anybody. And he taught me about being believable and credible and vicious and making a guy work for everything he gets on you. And I was a big fan of Ole. Scared to death of Ole, intimidated by Ole, and then I became his partner and I was still intimidated. 
to this day, if he was sitting here across from me, I would be intimidated because that's who he is. He's an intimidating character, personality. J.J. Dillon was one of those guys that was with us from the beginning. And for those three years with Crockett, man, you know, he was the, he was the fourth horseman. And then if we had another guy that stepped into that role, fine. Uh, but J.J. was clearly a, a real voice of reason. A lot of nights, Tully would be pissed and bitching at J.J., and J.J. could calm him down. And uh, I just think that J.J. is, he was so smart, and a lot of the things that he would offer match-wise, and he had input, you know, J.J. would would organize our travel. He would, you know, say, okay, we're going to stay here tonight or there tonight. You want to drive tonight and all those things. He did the real stuff that a manager really does sometimes, but mostly it was bell to bell. You know, you could count on JJ to be right there where he needed to be, pull that damn loafer off and swat somebody or whatever we needed out of him. He was always there. He was a teammate and I will always credit him is having a solid slot with a four horseman as much as anybody. And uh, that's just my opinion. And I was there for virtually every rendition of the horseman with maybe one. And uh, J.J. was a constant. And he was damn good. And he could speak well. He was articulate. He looked the part. He sounded the part. And he was an experienced, quality talent. Ross writes in, has Arn heard any stories of talent having trouble at the bank, getting a check cashed if it was made out to their working name In the more kayfabe days did anyone have accounts under their gimmick names like Ric Flair or Shawn Michaels? Yeah, I did. In those days, it was crazy. You would, you would, they would make your check out and this was the Crockett days. They would make your check out to your wrestling name. And you would sign your wrestling name and underneath it, you would just sign your legal name and just give them your license and boom, not an issue. Fascinating to me. Um, Juan Alvarez wants to know who's on your Mount Rushmore of bookers during your run as a wrestler. So Juan's giving us a little bit of leeway. He's not saying all the stuff you saw and you think they came up with, but actual bookers that you worked for, do you have a Mount Rushmore or a favorite four? Let's say uh, Dusty, Bob Armstrong, Kevin Sullivan, and I'm searching for a fourth. Let's just go with those three and leave one open for now. You got a fourth? I don't, not off the top of my head. Rajiv wants to know, there's a saying that history repeats itself. Is there one storyline or angle from Orange time as a wrestler that he thinks would work in today's wrestling? It can be a storyline he was or was not a part of. Yeah, tag team wrestling. Can... <laughs> I think that'll work. I think that might actually get over. It's a new concept, but we're well, I'm real high on it. I think it's going to just fire up and blow up here soon. Jordan Eubanks wants to know, what was Aaron's opinion of the Big Show Floyd Mayweather match at WrestleMania 24? Uh, it was entertaining, and once again, show stepped up and did everything he could do to make you believe that 140 pound guy could hang with a 480 pound seven foot two giant show was all business and uh it was entertaining for the fans i think I, the boys were entertained with it um but it's a stretching reality out there you know we always bring celebrities into our world right. i just wish one time our guys would prevail Check it out. Here's a clip from adfreeshows.com that you can't hear anywhere else. I've always been curious. You just did a, uh, you know, an Irish whip into the, into the corner and he reversed it. Is there some sort of trick or wrestler speak to when to reverse and when not to like, how does a guy know when to reverse? Is there like a little hand squeeze or some sort of little signal? Well, it's a dance, and if I'm going to have you reverse me, when I whip you, I'm going to put on the brakes so that you have to stop. Mm. And when you stop, then you just give me a tug, and off I go. It's just like dancing. 
it, it literally is the part of the one of the parts of the business that we talk about sometimes your dance partner that's a move that for it to be smooth you got to work together and it's got to be a, a dance and that's what it is it's uh it's got to be a tall order to be out here calling a match on the fly on pay-per-view with a guy who may not be uh skilled enough to be in this position and and you you're forced oh man there's a spine buster look at the crowd react in ohio they're ready for it let's track it crawl back to hogan and tell him now renegade two renegades out kicked out of the spine buster oh i like the follow-up pin that's a nice touch how about three in a row this is a good sequence here. I like this. It's an athletic Maybe. competition. The game, the name of the game is you're trying to win and, and you're actually trying to win here. Putting them in the corner oh. here. There's one of those regular ones. So you didn't put the brakes on a little lack of communication. <laughs> well, well, it might've been a lack of communication on his part. Sure. I was very clear on what I was thinking. This blows how long we've been in here and how soon can we get out? So what are you waiting for? Head on over to adfreeshows.com right now. It's hard to beat adfreeshows.com. Mr. Perfect Fan Canada writes, Bobby had a face run on TV as a TV champ in 1991. How did he like playing that role? And how much further do you think he could have gone as a single I think there was more there and man, the Alabama jam was over. It was, I think Bobby was just happy to be there. You know, Bobby Eaton is one of the finest human beings God ever put on this earth and he's pure in his soul and in his thought process is a three year old baby. He's just, just that good a person. And, uh, you know, the fact that he was, uh, the television champion was the very, very minimum he should have gotten. I know he was an incredible talent, and he showed that after he was not with Cornette and, and Stan and uh, Dennis when Bobby was just a single. He was still – Bobby Eaton was the best worker in the ring. didn't matter who his opponent was. And it was crystal clear to see when you watched his matches. So um, – I don't think Bobby aspired to be the world champion. However, if they would have went that way, it wouldn't have shocked me, nor would it have made me not, not, um, believing in it. Here's a question that fans are obsessed with. What is Arn like away from wrestling? And Rajiv wants to know what does Arn do on his days off? What's a days off? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, these days you've been able to spend more time with the family, partly because of your new schedule, partly because of the pandemic. But, uh, what's a typical day in the life of Arn Anderson look like in 2020? Well, I've, uh, I've managed to go to the gym every day. And, uh, like I said, I enjoy sweating pretty much every day. And, uh, you know, it's not like I'm training for the Olympia or I'm going to suddenly appear and be a big body guy, but I sure like getting that sweat. I have watched uh, both seasons of Ozark. I have ran through the entire uh, television show, which is from a way back. Um, Dexter. Dexter. And we have ran the table on that. We've watched three or four episodes a night. We've watched all that. I've enjoyed playing with my killer Pomeranian. And uh, basically the big high spot at our house every night is what's for dinner. And uh, we've tried to stay in and observe the rules. And as hard as that is on me, it's a lot harder on my 23-year-old and 34-year-old who we're here at the house and you know we've all tried to do our part and not going out other than the gym and the grocery store and we're just trying to comply and do our part to get everybody well david black wants to know did anybody at bars or gyms etc ever try the four horsemen that's something we've never really talked about but back in the days of quote-unquote kayfabe did you ever meet anybody who wanted to take on 
or maybe even a small group of guys who wanted to really fight the four horsemen? No, not really. Nope. I mean, we would come in, we would do our hour in the gym and everybody would fan out. Everybody would usually be training different body parts or whatever the deal was. And, you know, most people were very respectful. They just, they come up, ask for an autograph or a picture. We were very happy to comply. We would ask if they waited till we were done because in our mind or certainly in mine, my mind anyway, if I sign one autograph or do one picture, then I'm obligated to do anyone else's that may ask. And if it flames up and now you suddenly have five or six people or seven people, now it can get in the way of your workout and kill your momentum. And I just asked if they wait till the end, if they didn't mind, I wasn't going to be there that long, be happy to do whatever they wanted. And those that really wanted them would hang around. And those that really didn't would just leave and you wouldn't see them again. David Black wants to know any truth to the story raging bull tales about fighting his way out of a Denny's and totally hiding in the bathroom. Oh God, I don't know. You'd have to ask Tully that story. I'm sure he has an interesting twist on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Aaron, I've always heard various shoot interviews of wrestlers naming legit badasses. After watching Dark Side of the Ring this season, it seems like Road Warrior Hawk should at least be an honorable mention. Did you ever see him in action? I never saw Hawk. And, you know, fighting anybody outside of our business. He's just, we heard the stories of when they were bouncing him and Joe and all those guys from up in Minneapolis back in the day. But I, I don't think he ever got in a scrape other than the one with Randy, which was, I think was just a quick sucker punch and go. Um, I don't think he ever got into it with any of the guys, but I would imagine I wasn't going to be one that was going to, walk up and slap him in the face for damn sure. Ray wants to know, what are your thoughts on the straight edge society? I thought they'd be a great foil for John Cena. Of course, we're talking about CM Punk's cult like group that, uh, cult, uh, Luke Gallows would eventually be a part of. I could see that for whatever reason, it feels like they went, you know, the Matt Hart or the Jeff Hardy direction. They went in the Mysterio direction, but it never really got to Cena. What do you think about that? It might've worked. Um, I mean, you had all good performers in, uh, punk's group. So, you know, if you, you could put them out there with virtually anybody and, you know, they could have a really good match, whether, whether it would have worked for Cena or blew up in his face, you know, who knows? We'll do a couple more and then we'll wrap things up. Adam Parsons wants to know any good stories or memories about the Nassau Coliseum. Yeah, they always came out in droves. Um, Nassau Coliseum was always one of those places you knew you were going to make a good payday. The audience was going to be, you know, relatively full. It was easy to get in out, in and out of there big time. Um, I've told the horror stories of driving to the garden from different places. And man, it's, ter it's traumatic. I mean, if you're a Southern boy where you're used to having, uh, six lane interstates and get off the exit and everything you need is right there. And you get back on the exit and there you go to drive from Newark or, or somewhere like that and drive down to the garden is man, it's frightening. You got three lanes of traffic, but you got six lanes of cabs all merging into those three lanes. And it's, it's frightening. Nassau Coliseum, easy in, easy out, uh, no issues, no problem. And uh, I know that sounds like a, well, okay, why does that, you know, what you remember about the place? Well, no, I remember the crowds being excellent and really supporting the product, but it becomes a very real thing when you're traveling around, you know, the New York area and you're going to all these shows. And if you, this was prior to having GPS and all these aids that will help you get right where you're going, you had to remember where you were going you had to be in the right lane because if you came around a curve and you weren't in the exit lane and all of a sudden the exit pops up, you weren't going to get over. And if you missed your turn, now you go down an exit or two to try to turn around, you're lost. And it can take you in New York a couple hours to, if you miss an exit to get straightened up. None of those issues in Nassau Coliseum, easy in, easy out. 
We'll wrap things up with a famous angle, a question about this. I think that happened in 88. We've got Magnum, David Crockett. Magnum, of course, has been a horrible and a horrible car accident. He's uh, in a diminished capacity here. Tully Blanchard comes out with JJ Dillon. Eventually there's uh, an altercation and Magnum goes down and out comes dusty with a baseball bat and he's swinging for the fences and, uh, nearly decapitates Tully Blanchard. What do you remember of this angle? Uh, made me believe to shove a guy down that's on crutches. that has been in a car wreck's pretty shitty. Yeah. I don't know if you'd get away with that in today's world. Uh, either like we talked about something earlier, but, uh, Dusty had the fire that made it real and that was his best friend. And he came out to kill somebody and, uh, that's the way it appeared. And that's where it came across. It was very believable. Well, it's believable that we are done with this week's episode. We are on track for next week. It's going to be money in the bank, 2010. And our main event of that show, it's Seamus and John Cena in a steel cage match for the mm-hmm. WWE championship. We've also got a money in the bank ladder match for a championship bout. And, uh, that's going to get you a contract in the future included in the match. It's Ted DiBiase, Randy Orton, Mark Henry, John Morrison, Evan Bourne, edge, Chris Jericho and the Miz. We've also got the women's title on the line with Layla and Kelly Kelly. The world heavyweight championship is going to be in place for Mysterio and Jack Swagger. And it turns out that maybe somebody does a bit of a cash in. Uh, the Hart Dynasty is going to take on the Usos. We've got Alicia Fox working with Eve Torres. And how about a Money in the Bank ladder match for a title shot with Matt Hardy, Kofi Kingston, Drew McIntyre, Dolph Ziggler, Cody Rhodes, Christian, Big Show, and Kane. Woof. A lot of meat on the bone. That's what we're covering next week here. Money in the Bank 2010. You don't want to miss it. If you've got a question for us, feel free. Ask it over on Twitter at The Arn Show. And you would have gotten this show and all of these shows early and ad-free had you joined us over at adfreeshows.com. And very recently, I, uh, well, it was like pulling teeth, but I convinced you to sit down and watch the Renegade beat you for the television title. You told us how it happened, what you thought of the match. You even made some comparison to some other stinkers. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Renegade, but then you told the story that we didn't tell here on the main feed, and you're probably glad we didn't, but it was about... A thief in the locker room. That was a painful experience for you, was it not? Just to go relive all that and then talk about bad stuff in wrestling? Yeah, broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> no, it happens. It's just, it happens more than we talk about. I just don't like to talk about the real negative sides of the business because there's so many positives. There are, but uh, it's hard to find much positive about renegade baiting you for the tv title go relive arn's anguish right now at adfreeshows.com he is at the arn show i am at hey hey it's conrad and we are out of time we'll see you next week right here on arn i've been telling you for a long time that save with conrad.com can save you money but don't take my word for it hello Good morning, Josh. This is Dave Sobel with Save With Conrad. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. So what made you come to Save With Conrad in the first place? Uh, having listened to the podcast for a while, refinancing our home had been something that you know we had kind of thought about before in the past, but just never kind of pulled the trigger on. And then finally I said, you know what? I, uh, I listened to the man's podcast enough. Uh, what, what hurt could it do to uh, see exactly what Conrad and his team could do for us? And it's one thing I'm glad we did. Oh man, us too. Um, now, I see here that you worked with Derek on your refinance. How was it working with Derek and the team? Uh, Derek and the team were absolutely great. Uh, they answered my questions quickly. You know, we were very forthright with everything, very quick to respond, and uh, just made the entire process painless. Wonderful, wonderful. How much money was Save with Conrad able to save you? We had 22 years left on a 30-year mortgage. Uh, we also had uh, two car loans that we were paying on. So uh, through this process, we knocked uh, we knocked down from the 22 years we had left to a 15-year refi, and uh, we uh, got enough money on top of that to pay off one of the car loans. So not only did we save seven years of paying mortgage payments, but our monthly payments between what we were paying on the mortgage plus the car loan that we paid off, the money stayed the same. 
So our, our money output at the end of the month stayed the same. But uh, like I said, we saved seven years of mortgage payments. Man, congratulations, dude. That's awesome. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.